Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. As always, sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel. And of course, Mark Brashan Mark and the great website AMP as well. Uh, in this chats edition of the podcast, once I figure out how to speak again, uh, we're going to chat with Sarah Herring. She is the head of video and podcast at Poker News. You guys know her. A great friend of the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, just fantastic person. Really plugged into the poker community. So we're going to delve into her mind a little bit and see what she's thinking uh, on some of the things going around in the poker world. But first, let's introduce the panel. My name is Steve Fredland. I go by Rec Poker Steve in the Poker Stars home game. And in honor of Sarah Herring, I pulled out a quote, one of my favorites uh, from Elizabeth Stone. She said, making the decision to have a child, it is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside of your body. I don't know how to follow that one up, but I'm Chris Jones oh. and I'm five by five on poker stars and Twitter. Uh, and I'm just really excited for this conversation. So, and I'm Jim Reed. And if you want to know more about me, you can go to rec.poker slash Jim. And until my weight loss challenge officially kicks off, there's always time for Rolsch. <laughs> and I am John Somsky and poker geek MN everywhere. And I have a quote from worm played by Edward Norton in rounders. Life, like poker, has an element of risk. It should not be avoided. It should be faced. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman50 everywhere. I have a quote from a guy named Rick Bennett. In the long run, there's no luck in poker, but the short run is longer than most people think. <laughs> awesome. And I was actually wondering why Jim keeps putting off the weight loss challenge, and now I understand, because he just wants one more drill. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of quick things you guys know. We're going to do the interview with Sarah. Then we'll do a big community segment at the end. We'll tease out some of this uh, a bit more. But Learn Pro Poker, the partnership's in full swing. A lot of great things happening between the two groups. So uh, stay tuned. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And just an amazing set of content coming your way from Chris Jones and the crew, the book study, all kinds of great things. If you want to learn poker, you've come to the right place. If you want to do it in the context of community, uh, I can't think of a better place than Rec Poker, so check that out. So with that, let's bring her in. She has her hair matching her shirt, for those of you who are watching on video. Sarah Herring, welcome. Okay, so let's just first start out. I am pregnant again. I accidentally let this <laughs> slip like a few weeks ago on the podcast, so it's out there now. And when you just read that quote, like I might have teared up a little bit. Like, I, I was watching to see is how good is that quote? It is so like, oh my God, true. This is exactly what it's like. So spot on, nice choice, Steve. And um, yeah, I'm just like always so excited to be with you guys. I was super sick this weekend, <clears throat> and I was like we have been planning this for like six weeks or something. I was like, okay, if I'm not better by Monday, I'm going to be really mad. I was coughing a little bit this morning. I told Steve, I was like, dude, I don't know. I'm not going to be myself. But I told my husband, he's like, dude, the red poker guys, like these are your people. Like you have to, you just have to like pull yourself together and like, let's get it done. I might not sound, I might sound a little nasal. I might cough a few times, but we know I'm very skilled with the mute button. So don't worry. <laughs> Well, yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you were sick and I, of course, initially thought, well, just whatever you need, Sarah, don't, I mean, don't worry about it. We'll reschedule it. And then you were kind of like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. And then I was like, you know, just forget it. It's just, it's too much of a hassle. You know, just go with your people. You don't need to deal with our show. You know, we'll just, we'll figure something else out, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, we don't play. We don't play. And like when people do that to me, I will write them off forever. Like if you cancel on me like on the day or even like two or three days in advance, like you're dead to me. <laughs> Forget it. It is like, hard. Crazy <laughs> because because you you try you it takes a lot to get a lot of people together and to yep. like, arrange these things. And it's like it's I think when people just act so casually about stuff like this, it's like, come on, dude, this is my life. This is what we're doing. But I have really struggled since having, I put my daughter in daycare, uh, like in November, we were lucky because of COVID basically, I didn't really have to put her in daycare as soon as I had anticipated having to do. Um, but basically she, since she started like after Christmas, of course, um, she's just sick all the time. And then I get sick and then my husband gets sick. And then like, really, I have been healthy my whole life. And I'm telling you, the last like nine months, one of the three of us or two of the three of us or three of the three of us are dying every week. I feel like I'm having to cancel things all the time. And it's really like, I hope this ends. It's like an actual problem, you <laughs> it, know? It will like, end. And I'm, I'm only laughing. I see Rob nodding his head too. I mean, it, that's the kind of thing you get kids. My wife's a teacher too. So she's around it all the time. But like, once you get three in the house, it just sort of can yeah. circulate. You know, when it's two, you can kind of be like, yes. I keep your space. But now you've got a little one, you're holding her. Uh, yeah, it just kind of does their own. <laughs> it never stops. And then I'm thinking I'm going to have another one. And I'm like signing up for five years or something of just never being a regular human again. It's really frustrating. And I've, and most people, well, a lot of people I know in the poker world, or especially in the poker media, they don't have kids. So they don't understand. I'm yeah. like, call, you know, hey guys, I'm not going to be able to make it today. Or hey, this thing's like coming in this time. And I've think they think oh man this girl's like such a lazy bum but i'm like no dude just nobody understands well i think you've, you've you proven yourself over the years you know you've created this track record as a go-getter as somebody who get things done so i think you've right? built up well you know you've built up this this goodwill i think too uh, yeah. because of all that you've done but i think that it's true like people don't understand and i think one of the things when i became a father for the first time and now my boys are 24 my daughter's 21 like i've been doing yeah. this, uh, but it is amazing like how much grace you start to have for other parents. Like when you don't have kids, you don't. You're like, seriously, you, you have to go home at 7.30? Seriously? You can't come because your your daughter's got the sniffles? Like, you know, once you have kids, you're like, ah, I get it. I totally was that person. I totally was like, gosh, I feel like this guy's got to deal with his kids like all the time. He's always got to leave work early. And now I'm like, and that's me. They're like, can I go home? Yeah. So so remind us now, how, how old is your daughter? And and she's, then and then uh, when are you due with the second? She's sixteen months almost. We're like mm -hmm. a week shy of sixteen months, and the second one is due July second. Like we're we just bang them out real quick. We're just getting it done. But really, I waited until like the last minute to start having kids in terms of like you know the shriveling up ovaries or whatever. <laughs> like, I really didn't chicken. start until I was like thirty five, and so. Um, we really had to just like kind of gamble. Like, you know, people are like, that's really close together. Are you sure? I'm like, we don't really have options. If we want to keep making kids, we need to just like do it. So. Right. You need to start doing two at a time. Like we did that. That, that does, that creates a little bit quicker. <laughs> you have twins. Yeah. Twin boys. Yeah. God bless you. And Thank your you. wife. Finally, <laughs> the acknowledgement that we deserve after all of these years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a nightmare. I mean, a blessing and a nightmare. Both. Oh, yeah, for sure. So did you guys kind of decide, hey, we're going to have kids, but we're going to try to avoid the World Series of Poker. But then 
once you know you realize COVID is here, you're like, no, July 2nd, let's shoot for that date because that's when you know, now we can do that this year because now the World Series isn't going to happen. It has been for most people, you know, I think COVID has been horrible. And I'm not gonna lie, we got it, so like that wasn't the best, right? But um really for me, it was kind of amazing because like I got to slow down all the travel. We got to like yeah. have some family time. Like I don't know, I was like living the dream all. <laughs> I was loving it. I'm still loving it. As everything's starting to come back, I'm kind of like, mm, maybe we should wait, guys. I don't wear my mask anywhere, but I'm like, maybe we should just wait. Because <laughs> how often were you when you were at the height of, you know, before you had your daughter and you know, before COVID and everything, like how how often would you travel? Like how many weeks out of the year? What percentage? How much did you travel? Usually 12 days a month. Okay. Yeah. So like you, a solid 40 something percent of the time, probably. Yeah. It and was big, a lot. And big time travel too. Like some of that's, you know, new continents and all kinds of things. So like, do you think anything's going to change now post COVID for your type of job? Is there any, is, is it going to be kind of back to full schedule travel stuff or are some things changing that we've learned as a result of COVID or? I mean, I genuinely think this industry has gained a lot more than it's lost. I think live events are certainly going to happen. And I think they're coming back with a fury as we've seen in the last few months. I mean, these are all the fields are like record breaking. People are so excited to get back to it. So I feel like people appreciate what they didn't have a, um, but B there's all this, I think, especially as someone in the media, we're covering, you know, online tournaments and covering things in ways that we never did before. Mm -hmm. So I think people have also gotten more used to, seeing things in different formats and seeing things in different ways, seeing people like come in on zoom calls. I think people are more interested in watching things online now than they used to be. And they're opening up the technology to be able to, for example, like we saw with Fedor and limitless, you know, to be able to see cards up Mm -hmm. and see two people's faces playing each other. And so I really think in this relatively short span of time, there's a lot more possible than there used to be, or we're like less reliant on the things that there used to be. For me specifically, I think having kids will probably change it more than anything. Um, I think I will probably travel to like the marquee events um, and maybe focus on like during the world series, probably more the main event. I might come in for like, you know, one drops and things like that. But for me, I feel like this, like traveling to Bulgaria for the Poker News Cup will probably not happen anymore. And, and just to be clear, we love our Bulgarian listeners. It's not about <laughs> Bulgaria. It's about you traveling with children. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, and you know, I don't know. There's just, it's, um, in my mind, I was like, oh, well, it's fine. Like, we'll just figure it out. We'll like get a nanny or whatever. Yeah. And um, now I'm just like, I don't want to go a week without seeing my kid. Like what a sad life that would be. That is is the piece again, that parents, that people that don't have kids don't understand. It's like, it's not just about taking care of them. It's that you actually love them. You actually want them. (laughs) There's a piece of them. Exactly. And they're not welcome in the poker world, really. Right. Like you can't, even at the Rio, they're not even allowed to come to, so I was actually trying, I've been reaching out to nannies now that the world series, you know, has been announced. I've been reaching out to nannies in Vegas and trying yeah. to figure out like, cause I'm going to have a super little one. And then like, obviously I'm going to need help. And I think I'll probably have to have the babies come with me for that one. And even so I'm like, I was thinking like, could I go nurse them really quick? Like if the nanny brought the baby to the like real. And then I was like, 
they're not even allowed like in the convention area, right? right? Like kids can't even come there. There used to be this little girl who came with her dad every year who was so cute and she made these YouTube videos. And um, I remember she finally came and she came to like meet poker players and like meet us. And I was super excited. We put her in a video and then the security kicked her out. I was like, she's a little poker fan. Like you got to let her in. But she was like seven and they were like, no, she can't be here. So there's going to be some logistics. We're going to have to work out a lot of logistics. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Man, I hope hopefully we'll both get to be there. I know, I know Chris had a question about that uh, as well about the World Series, but yeah, hopefully we can we can connect and things will work out for that. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah, I, I mean, since we're talking about the WSOP and you you have you know such such an ear to the ground in the poker world, I'm curious what you think about this big announcement it being in the fall. Uh, what we what you think we can expect? I've heard anything from people predicting this is going to be the biggest thing ever. They're never going to switch it back. It's going to be fall all the time. It's going to be huge. So some people kind of like, I don't know, man, we're, we're still kind of in a pandemic. People are still, you know, international travel is going to be harder. Are people really going to show up for this? So what, what, what are your thoughts on, on both the timing and kind of expectations for, for the WSOP? I mean, I think sort of like what happened with, and this is terrible. I love the World Series. I hope they don't, you know, like hate me for this, but the way that they kind of had to slap together the World Series at the end of December. And like, then we of course ran into some pretty severe stumbling blocks in terms of, um, you know, trying to get the eventual winner even to the event. Uh, I foresee that even though a lot of things are opening up in the United States, they're really not actually they're clamping down in a lot of, especially like Eastern European countries and a lot of countries where we see a lot of travel for the world series. Um, so I definitely see that being, I personally feel like it's probably a little bit premature. Um, and that being said, we've seen a ton in the United States of these really, you know, crazy fields that we never anticipated. So I think there'll probably be more American players than ever before and probably less Europeans, which is really great for the American players. <laughs> it's probably good for the player pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be really good. And then I think that the biggest, you know, question mark at this point is the the legal side of things. And, you know, on the one side, Nevada is very much like grease the right palms, you know, like do the right, know the right people or whatever. And so I definitely think, I doubt they would make this kind of announcement if they didn't feel very confident that they were going to be able to um, have it all happen. That being said, there's definitely, like I've seen with the fighting game, for example, in Nevada, where they were really expecting things to go one way. And then the, you know, fighting commission, makes some like crazy decision based on something else. And so I definitely, without having mm. had it already in place, I would have thought it would be kind of crazy to make that type of an announcement. But if they're really, there's so many things when you think about like having that convention space available, basically. Um, so I have a feeling they probably were put in a position where it was like, if you want to do it this year, you need to do it during this time. And then it was just kind of like, okay, well, let's just like make it happen. And there'll probably be some issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think about the fall timing too? I've heard a lot of people really excited about that. Do you think that's a, do you think that's a one-time thing or do you think that this might be a trend? 
I mean, having lived in Vegas for 10 years, it's going to be a lot nicer to be there in the fall. Like for sure, for sure. But like, like I said, in terms of convention space and stuff like this, there's a lot of way bigger, way more financially probably enticing convention type things that come to town. And I think a lot of the, I don't, I don't want to say like bunk conventions, like us, the pool guys, like the people that are kind of like the non-mainstream. I mean, when you see these, like, uh, what are they? The big, um, big construction toys. I don't know, like cranes and things that like fill up not too long after it's usually in the fall at the Rio, they have a convention for very expensive industrial equipment essentially. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee whatever those people are paying and whatever is happening during that convention is infinitely more profitable than, than the world series. And I think because it's just a, you know, nicer time to be there, probably the nicer conventions choose those times. Yeah, that makes sense. That really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've actually heard that they kind of planned on doing the WSOP during the summer because poker players are there to play poker. And so you pick the crappiest time of year, they're still going to show up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's so sad because you think about so many people, you know, so many poker players who are Nordic or Dutch or, you know, these poker players who basically live most of their lives in the dark and cold. And, you know, it's like winter most almost all the time. And they maybe have three or four months a year that are kind of nice. And they have to spend those always in Las Vegas. You know, you're talking to a lot of people from Minnesota and Canada here. I think it's funny you bring that up because that's sort of my my experience. I've been to Vegas three times in the summer for the World Series. And like, it's the same feeling. I tell people it's the same feeling like I'm ready to go outside the door and I just have to go over there. Like, I just have to go over there. But I'm standing at the door bracing myself because it's 113 degrees. And I'm like, you can do this. It's like the exact same feeling I have in Minnesota when it's 31 below in the winter. And I'm like, I just have to get to my car. I can do this. So it's 150 degrees difference, but it's that same kind of feeling. But but to John's point, just, yeah, but once I'm in a casino, like, I don't care what it's doing outside. That's totally the truth. And they know that, I think especially you're right, John, that they, they don't know poker players are not there seeing the sights. They might go to some restaurants, you know, here and there, but really compared, I think most people conventions are kind of an excuse to go get really housed with their, you know, people they work with and maybe like cheat on their wives or I don't know what people do with conventions. (laughs) I've been on a lot of airplanes on the way back to Vegas with people going to conventions and it seems like really scandalous. So I don't know what people do, but it's definitely not what poker, like poker players are fully degening, you know, rebuying, busting, buying in. I definitely would say it's from, as we, you know, spoke about earlier before we, I think started recording, trying to schedule interviews during the world series of poker is super hard basically because poker players are just going to buy into as many things as they possibly can and you know put their it makes sense i mean of course to avoid variance or whatever but it's like basically they're going to just be in as many tournaments as they possibly can and they don't care where 
where it is or what's going on. I mean, really, if you look at the fact that that Rosvadov is like a pretty frequented casino <laughs> on the circuit, it's very clear. Like poker players will just go wherever the poker is. I love that Sarah's just calling all these places out. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so nice to me too. Like I'm such a terrible person, but like oh, let's just be real. You know, so I know Jim's got a question, but real quick on, on the World Series thing. Uh, is there, are you hearing the same kind of scuttlebutt for a lot of recreational players that go to the World Series and they might not want to play the $1,000, $1,500 buy-ins. They might play some of the daily deep stacks. But during the World Series, there's also, you know, things going on at Planet Hollywood or, you know, wherever, all the other different places that are running there, the Grand Series or whatever. Um, do, are you hearing the same kind of thing? Or are other casinos planning on leveraging around that? Or do you even know, is it too early to know that yet? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty established whether or not they've released schedules or anything now that most of the big, you know, the wind Venetian, most of the big tournament series are going to be having huge tournament series in the summer. And of course they also will have them in the fall. (laughs) Actually, a lot of those places at this point are starting to have them just consecutively back to back because they're getting so many players and it's just like so juicy at this point. But yeah, in terms of, you know, offering big guarantees and things that we probably wouldn't normally expect from all these places, I think it's pretty certain. That so the recreational players thinking about, hey, do I go play the World Series or not? There's probably going to be the same kind of opportunities at the other casinos as well for the big fields, lower buy-in type things. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I think we're going to see more poker probably available at this world series than we have lots of other times for lots of reasons. But yeah, from what I've heard and from what I can understand, a lot of these other places are jumping on and probably it is because they're expecting more Americans and that a lot of the Americans are exactly like you're saying, they're people who are looking for better values, people who are looking for guarantees who aren't just going to come fire every single thing on the schedule. And so, yeah, I mean, they don't make these decisions without, I think having some, some idea of what to expect. Yeah. Jim, did you have something? Yeah. So talking about uh, large field MTTs and large field tournaments, um, Sarah, we've talked about this before. One thing that we all need to think about is getting more women involved in poker, playing in these poker tournaments, making the game of poker more attractive to women, more comfortable place for women to hang out. So um, I have a couple questions on that front. First of all, uh, Kim Petvet is one of our members in the chat here who's uh, chatting about that's some similar experiences that she's had with you as a mother and as a poker player. She actually um, helps us facilitate a monthly discussion about uh, empowerment in poker and making the game uh, more available to women and make women feel more comfortable there. Um, to me, I, f- I kind of see it in two ways. There's the way that we can behave at the table, and then there's the way that we can behave away from the table. I wonder if you could just help us talk a little bit about either of those things. If you think there's something that the poker world in general isn't doing enough of or is doing too much of. I have very unpopular opinions on this subject. Um, I, as a, very much less so now, but I used to spend a lot of my time recreationally playing poker getting very intoxicated and drinking all the free wine and playing all the tournaments. And I'm sure being vulgar and I'm sure cussing. I, in fact, I've been kicked out of casinos for cussing before I've since stopped. I I really try hard not to cuss now. Um, But in terms of creating some sort of environment that feels, you know, safe to men or women, I personally have been guilty of probably not doing that. And so I feel like it would be very, 
um, you know, hypocritical of me to start saying how, you know, people should behave at the poker tables one way or another. And my personal experience, and of course, you know, it's anecdotal, but I have found mostly just wonderful men who helped me understand what was happening, who were patient with me at the table, who were patient with me when I was very drunk and lippy at the table and, you know, tournament directors who I think were very um, patient and lovely with me. So I definitely think, I think the biggest obstacle we have to getting women in poker is um, women really understanding poker. So even for my own self, if I didn't have my now husband, I probably would have never been that interested in poker, Mm -hmm. but watching him play, having him explain to me some of the psychological elements of things going on, understanding the metagame. I think for most women, we're less inclined and I am terrible in that. I also think men and women are just different for the most part. I think we just are naturally inclined towards different things. And I think women are naturally more attracted to security and less attracted to gambling in general. And so if for me, if I was looking to attract women, I mostly would focus on the parts of the game that are less about gambling and more about people, understanding people, um, understanding like tendencies and nuances, you know, of the game, the meta. I think that's interesting. And maybe it's because it's just interesting to me. Um, But that's what made me interested in poker. And so I, I guess I just think, I actually would say like, men, invite your girlfriends, tell them, you know, invite your wives. And if they want to play, they can. And I think it is a very welcoming environment. I actually think a lot of the women playing poker a lot more intimidating and unfriendly than the men, if I'm Mm. honest. Mm. And we're getting some comments in the chat here. And I wonder if, uh, do do you have any comments on the Bilzerian controversy with Gigi or like the role of ambassadors? Very yes. unpopular opinion. <laughs> yeah, okay, please share it with us. <laughs> so um, I actually, I have been a friend of, but I could say friend, like a acquaintance, you know. You, you say you're a friend casually. of poker, so we know you just throw that around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a friend of Vanessa Cade and I very much respect her. I'm very excited for her and have always been hoping that her career would um, explode. In fact, a lot of people say that we look similar. I think we have like similar body types. Like I just really like Vanessa. Um, but in this situation, and I said it on the Poker News podcast, I um, I feel like she came at him and then he snapped back at her and then everyone got mad at him. And to me, I think there are certain areas, like everyone's like, oh, like saying someone's a hoe is like an area that's like, you don't go there. For me, an area that you don't go is like coming at somebody's money, like their job. So to me, and how much money he really has, how much money he made himself, I don't know. Do I think he's some amazing person that I idolize? Absolutely not. But he has an ambassador deal with a company. He's clearly making money from that thing. And so coming and saying, you shouldn't have him as an ambassador and then expecting him not to say something back to me is naive. Like if you want to, open that conversation. And then the way that he responded to me is so like, um, uninteresting, really. It's like being like, you're a bitch or like, you're a jerk or something. It wasn't to me, it didn't really, but saying like you're irrelevant or nobody knows who you are. I think that stings. I think that's kind of a nasty comment. And, you know, for her to have now won the anniversary Sunday millions was like kind of like a fun 
And that's how it should be. Like people should be able, I feel like to have these, like you want to say something nasty to somebody, expect them to say something nasty back to you. And then you come back and like ship a tournament. You should be able to like throw it right back in their face or whatever you want to do. I, I just feel like making it this space where it's like, you can't say a woman is like a hoe. It's just, I mean, I feel like we're just getting to a place in this world where you just can't say anything. And I, I don't, I, I personally don't like it. And I think if you don't want to have somebody say something like that to you, maybe don't start the conversation with you're a bad person. And I don't think you should have your job. Hmm. No, that's that, that, yeah, I think that will be an unpopular opinion, but I'm glad that you shared it with yeah. us. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> it, is, it is the nuanced discussion, right? I mean, it's it, the reason it's a thorny subject is because I don't think there is an obvious answer to it. But I think it is something that um, whatever our motivations are, I think we should be trying to make the poker table a fun place where people can come in and be themselves. Um, and I think, you know, that that does require some some tailoring of our you know inner selves <laughs> uh, just like it would in any other you know civilized place where we want to you know make other people feel comfortable but um it's it's a it's I, yeah i look forward to solving this so that we can move on with it <laughs> I, i'm kind of curious there like what you've learned about uh you know whether it's the poker news audience or just who's ever i guess i guess taking in uh media poker media what you've learned about the audience through some some of this stuff I mean, have you learned that they're more polarized or how they like to receive things? So whether it's, you know, the, the Bilzerian, Vanessa Cade, whether it's the Postle stuff, whatever it is, you know, there's some things that happen. There's always stuff happening, right? There's the whole heads up battle and the, the whole thing there. But there's, you know, with all the technology coming out with COVID, with all kind of the, the controversy that's out there with the events, you know, what are, what are you learning as a, as a media expert about what people want to consume, how they want to consume it? Are things changing as far as, you know, who the poker audience really is out there? Is it actually poker players or is it a different audience? Like what's, what's changing in the industry? I mean, a lot of things I think are staying the same, but I think it's taken a long time for people to, for the people who are creating the media content to realize this. Um, so first I would say, and it kind of ties into um, Jim's question and sort of this controversial subject. Um, there is a very vocal minority um, who I think are the virtue signaling type, right? Who are very much like, this is what has to happen and this is how everyone should be and this is what will make the poker world great. And then I think there are a lot of people who are quiet, um, who don't say all of these things or say them so publicly, but who have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things um, and come from totally different backgrounds, both within our country and within the world. And um, so I think there's been, unfortunately, and this definitely has been the case at Poker News that I've fought a lot for, um, there's a very small niche of people who know a ton about poker and who know all of the poker players and who, um, you know, think this is the most important poker story. And it turns out that's actually a really small number of people. Like there's just a small niche of people that are like that. And actually there's a huge number of people that casually enjoy poker that are interested more than just the 
um, you know, wanting to still see Phil Ivey and Daniel Negreanu, although that's always going to hit, like always, um, but that are more interested than just your, I want to see famous places, but are not, or famous people rather, but are really not that interested in every, um, you know, newest high stakes uh, online heads up guy who just happens to have like done something moderately interesting. Um, and I think a lot of the problem that we've seen in the poker media and with a lot of other people who are in high positions at poker companies is that a lot of them are these people who are super poker fanboys. And that's probably what's gotten them into their position. And it's probably what makes them great at what they do, but it makes them unable, I think, to see or connect with what the majority of the audience is, which is pretty casual, but intelligent poker fans. And so now we can very, like, you can use things, um, and I gave a conference uh, or I gave a presentation at a conference like three or four years ago, showcasing and really showing people. And this is like a terrible thing, but I always use this as an example because at the time my boss was trying to get us to do um, a documentary about Joey Ingram. And not that that wouldn't be interesting or that I wouldn't care to do that, but it was going to take a lot of time and a lot of money from us. And so I just did some Google trend analytics searching and just, I said, okay, so this is Doug Polk. This is like where he rates. This is where Daniel Negreanu rates, and this is where Joey Ingram rates. And so while everyone in the poker world at that time was totally obsessed with Joey Ingram and talking about Joey Ingram, and I also have to say I love Joey, um, but it was like, if you looked on the graph, like Doug was very high and going trending very hard. This was kind of like an early crypto period, I feel like. Um, Daniel Negreanu was like top of the charts, crazy the whole time, like staying at the top. And then Joey was like, barely, like you could barely see the line. And so I, it was just to me such a clear example of um, what's happening like within this sort of incestuous industry is not really indicative of what the whole who are consuming poker media are interested in and are looking at. And so it's actually quite hard, I think, to create content because you need to make content for those hardcore poker fans and you need to make content that's interesting to them. You need to make content for people who don't know what a string bet is yet, or, you know, who are very new to poker who just came to your page. And then you need to make a lot of content for like all of the varying degrees in between, which is where most people fall. And that, that's, and why find the, that's why I find, you know, I'm so fascinated by something like a poker news where you're trying to appeal to all of those markets. I mean, it's some of us have the luxury, you know, rec poker. All right. You know, let's learn poker for the recreational player in the context of community. Like we can focus there. We don't need to worry about this, that, or the other for poker news to try to figure out what do we talk about and the political elements of it. Like, like you said, sort of the pressures that are coming from inside and outside and, you know, what are the numbers saying and what are the ratings saying and all that stuff? I think that's a fascinating sort of puzzle that you have to deal with. I'm, I'm sort of, I, I want to use this phrase moderately interesting. I, I think I'm going to start applying that uh, to things like, you know, when Taylor Moss wins a tournament, I'm going to tell him that was moderately interesting. Uh, I'm just going to start using using <laughs> things like things like that, but it's interesting. Um, so I know, man, time flies with you, but I do want to talk a little bit about, just because you brought up Negranu, and, and, and if, I, if I can just speak frankly, I'm struggling a little bit as a, you know, as a rec poker, uh, you know, one of the core team members here, how much do we involve Negreanu in this? We've, we've had him on the podcast, but it feels a little bit like he's kind of got off the rails a little bit, or maybe put that another way, just in terms of his his impact, or, or do I want to be associated with somebody like that who's 
I don't know, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Some of the videos that he's done and that sort of thing. I know that's maybe just poker being poker or whatever, but uh, how, how do you wrestle with that at poker news when it's, whether it's Daniel or it could be anybody else where it's just like, boom, that was just, does not reflect well on poker as an industry, but yet it's a big story. Like, how do you kind of wrestle with that? Because I'm trying to wrestle with that myself. How do we, you know, do we I'm terrible. who are, who are, you know, who are, I think bad representatives for what we represent, but they'd be a big draw. How do you, how do you balance that? You said you're terrible. I don't, because I don't think it's our job to be representing everyone. And actually I just had this issue with um, someone was coming on our podcast and actually she's very much like a person who's a huge advocate for women in poker. And she started a poker tour and um, she, uh, there was some people within our company who had said like, she's been very mean to our staff and she's said these kind of things that were horrible. And we really don't want to give her a platform. And, you know, my response is like, I am not the decider of who is is and is not like welcome on a platform. For me, it's like, it's up to my audience to decide how they feel about somebody or somebody's behavior. I don't want to be the person who chooses for everybody else, you know, this is what is allowed on our show. And this is like, people like this come on and people, because people are infinitely more intelligent than I think you know, they get credit for. You don't have to like drag people along. They will figure out for themselves, you know, whether or not they think someone is interesting or um, they want to watch them. And I don't, I personally don't feel like I need to protect people from, you know, crazy people. Now, if you are more worried about, you know, what you associate your brand with, that's one thing. And so I've always, I actually did, um, a workshop a long time ago. I was really lucky poker news. And I was, I think too young actually when I did it to really understand, but some of the things have really resonated. Um, this guy wrote this book. I think his name is Jim, Jim Perkis. It's called brand you. And it's just basically about deciding what your brand is and that it's very, that everyone really in this social media age should be doing this. And at the time I was really struggling with what my brand is, you know, Lynn Christie and I all did this. And it was like Lynn Gil Martin's brand was like, I am the nice girl. And that is like very much her brand. And she's very much stuck with that. And Christie's was like, I'm the funny, silly girl. And I really couldn't find what my actual brand is. And I realize now that my brand is, um, I think just about being honest and being real. And so I think if you're going to be that, sometimes it's going to include things that are off the wall and that are crazy. And really Daniel's been in this industry for so long, much longer than me, probably longer than you and been in the public spotlight for a very long time. And I think all of us can relate with going through phases where we're really nice, going through phases where we're more vulgar going through. And I think as, uh, as much as he's given back and as, real as he has been with us for so long if we don't like give him the space in the room to kind of like go through whatever it is he's like in right now then like who are we like what fickle fans you know really we are yeah I think I think that is the tension that we're talking about we're we're talking strategy don't mind us we'll just talk about some media strategy but I think to your point if your brand is authenticity and just if it's a story we're going to tell it and let the audience decide I think for us it's sort of like well we're going to set the culture set the tone of what poker is all about and so you kind of discern who, who represents those sorts of things. So it's, it's an interesting conversation, right? Uh, for sure. So, but like, how much is he really losing it? Like he's talking, like he's cussing a lot, I think, which, you know, 
some people do for sure. And well, I, to me, I, I feel also like we're seeing a lot more maybe than we ever did before, well, sure. maybe sure. um, under poker stars. But I have a feeling there's plenty of people within the rec poker community that are not offended by this or that um, think it's kind of funny. And there's also the question, I did a podcast um, with Marley Cadero not that long ago, and she was saying, you know, there's part of Daniel that's a shtick. And I asked Daniel then when I interviewed him, like, what part of you is a shtick? How much of you is is real? And he said, and it's true because I, I think we all have this same experience. You have your you cannot turn the lights on and not have some other thing to turn on. That's not like, uh, it's you. It's definitely still you, but there's something that's, it's not you like hanging out on the couch with your dogs or whatever. And he's had the lights on for a long time. And, you know, so I also think what he really said is that giving, getting married has given him the ability to care less what people think. Um, because he cares more what she thinks and she really gives zero Fs about a lot of things and whether or not that's a hundred percent true. I don't know, but I do think that um, when you care more, what other people think you are more cautious about, you know, what you say and what you do and how you behave. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when you're a teenager and you have to kind of push the boundaries and then you like reel it back in a little bit and you like, you know, who am I? Like, what am I really? I mean, I had like a mohawk and like was like getting arrested and doing crazy things. I don't think that's my true identity or who I really am, but I was like testing it. Right. And then I've been, I think a lot of versions of myself to sort of test it. And I think maybe Daniel's testing things a little bit and letting it out. Yeah. Well, see, see how open you are to that in 16 years when your daughter's doing the same thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel so awful for my mom. Like (laughs) so awful. What have I done to her? Your parents as a part of this thing too. Yeah. I think karmically I am so, so do for like a horrible, horrible child. <laughs> you're, you're so, I think, I think the beauty that you have and you're, you're so authentic and you're so real that I think you, that'll just be the, the, the culture, the environment that your family has. And so I think it's going to be less threatening to you than it was maybe to your parents, just because you're just, you're going to be in that mode of a culture of authenticity. So I think that's going to be a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think with Daniel, just to kind of, just to kind of close that off too, I think the, the struggle is um, just when you when you do have a brand, whatever that is, you know, Poker News has yours, Rec Poker has yours. And I think, you know, we beat the drum all the time. And it's part of the women in poker thing. And I know it's contrary to your opinion, but this idea of we just have zero tolerance for berating people at the table, whether that's even in our Poker Stars home game, wherever that is. Like, I don't want you wearing the patch if you're going to be playing a live poker and berating somebody that makes a mistake. Like, you can do that. You have a, you're a human. You're an American. Of course, we can do that as an American. But like, that's anti-community and so we are anti anything that's anti-community and so that's where like the daniel stuff is like yeah i mean he's free to be himself he's free to do his thing a lot of rec poker people are going to love that they're gonna think it's hilarious personally i just have kind of put a spork on the ground saying i don't think it's funny i don't think it's funny to threaten your opponent to berate your opponent to do that kind of thing so that's where is it shtick is it entertainment is it whatever but i think that's where the that's that's kind of why i'm asking you because it sort of is this tension between just tell the story let people make the decision for themselves and no, this is our brand. We're going to protect it. And if you don't like that we're being protective, find another community. And so that is a rub for me. This goes back to, though, part of the thing with Vanessa and Dan, which it's, and maybe this is something for me. So for me personally, I get a ton of 
nasty comments. I've been doing this a long enough time to have seen so many nasty comments. And if you in the nasty comments say like, oh, she's a disgusting B word. Like I want to like stick a dildo in her butt or something. Like for some people that must be super offensive. But for me, it's just like, oh God, like, ugh. so like he probably says that to every single girl video that he sees or whatever. But if you say something and I'll just give you an example. So one of the very first mean comments I got, someone said, who chose this girl? She has no upper lip. And I was like, I'd never thought that in my whole life. I'd never considered it. It's okay. Everyone's looking now. Don't look. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but it was like so personal Let and so specific to me. It's small. I get smaller. It's fine. My daughter has big, beautiful lips. Like it's karmically, she ended up with it. It's fine. But like, it was very specific to me. And I, honestly, playing at the poker table, if someone mm-hmm. is like, oh, you're a skank or you're whatever. Like, this just doesn't bother me. Like these ad hominem attacks about like just anyone, anything doesn't bother me. But it, I actually had this experience quite a few times playing like the dailies at Aria, right? So you're at like the $125, like $150 range where you get a lot of these like mid-stakes grinders who think that they like, know what's going on in Las Vegas. None of whom know who I am. So that is also like when you're, you know, who's your audience. It's not these guys who are like playing the $125 and the Aria, but they, I saw them at the table sometimes to me, but I think people stay away from me maybe because I'm a little like mouthy or at the time, especially drinking in mouthy, but I saw them make comments to other players berating the way that they played things that they did decisions they made. And to me, that makes someone uncomfortable to make decisions and to play poker. And that is, that is infinitely to me more unacceptable and un fun to be around than someone who's just like, oh, you're fat, bro. Or like, oh, I don't know, like whatever, just like standard things you could say to anyone. To me, if you talk about the way that somebody plays and the, the decisions that they're making playing, because you're so much smarter than they are and you know so much Mm -hmm. more than they do. That's like, you can't, you can't police that. You can't monitor that. But for some reason that bothers me like way more. And makes me uncomfortable to play. I start thinking, oh gosh, these guys are like paying attention to everything we're doing. And maybe I'm like making a stupid decision or mistake. I'm lucky enough to know people who know way better than most people, which makes me feel like hmm. better than that. <laughs> I think it's so interesting. I think it gets, it gets right to the core of our own. We all have our own experience. We all have our own triggers. We all have our own different things. Like some of the stuff that you said, like what bothered you, wouldn't have bothered me and what didn't bother you would have bothered me. And I think that's just kind of how we all are. And I think that's where, you know, I mean, how, how do you want to then approach life? We all just have the freedom to say whatever, do whatever, and just people will like it or not and don't give an F or are we trying to create a community that's, you know, sort of, you know, centered around kindness and mutual respect. I think they're either way, whatever. It's just, I think that's why you draw. And that's why you need different types of communities. That's why different, you need different kinds of people and different kinds of people leading different things. But Sarah, I know I keep getting warned from, uh, from Jim that we're way over time. <laughs> I, I'm into this, man. Like, I, I'm so intrigued because I do love how you think because one of the things that I've always loved about you is, I mean, your, your energy, your passion for the game, the respect you have, but you are authentic. You will sort of speak your mind. You're not afraid to say, here's, a, here's an opinion. It's not, and it's not, uh, it's not the most, it's not the one that everybody else is getting because I, I always- Unpopular love, opinion, Sarah's coming on again. <laughs> Chardonnay! Uh, you know, but I think, but I think, no, I love that because it challenges. And I think for thinking people- we should hear an opinion contrary to ours and not just say, well, she's an idiot. We should say, 
what is it about that? Because I, I respect Sarah, but there's something there that I don't agree with. But what is what is going on there? What's the deeper truth? You know, and I think that's what I'd love to have our audience be is thinking people. So enjoy Bill Zary and enjoy Negranu, enjoy Sarah, enjoy whatever. But, you know, when you hear contrary opinions, don't just let's not just create this whole polarized society where I'm good, they're bad. You know, I'm in, they're out. Let's think about things. And so I would say for the folks that didn't agree with Sarah, think about it. People that don't agree with me, think about it. And then let's have a, a, a reasonable conversation about it. If you want to, if you don't, that's fine too. <laughs> Especially because your opinions are mine at least have changed so many times over the years like right. that. And I'm still like, there's so much longer to go. I think if you're not thinking about things that other people think, well, then what, you, you're yeah, going to be really stuck in you said something earlier about, well, I don't want to do this. I said this. Now I don't want to do that because I'm a hypocrite. Well, I'm thinking, you know, if, if my th- things aren't changing, like I am different than I was before. I am saying something different today than I said 10 years ago. Either call me a hypocrite or I can say, yeah, that's because my decision, you know, I've thought about this and my beliefs have changed. I don't see that as a big negative if you're thinking and your beliefs change. But No, I think it's key. I think it's key to being human. But then you also have to sort of empathize with people who are going through things that you've been through before and say, okay, so you're not here yet, but I hope you get here someday because it's like the water is really warm over here. Well, that's what it should create. The same thing about parenting, same thing. As as my beliefs, as my thoughts have changed over the years, it does give me me pause to go, well, we're just all in different places on this journey. Um, so I'm going to take that wherever they are. And maybe they're in a place where I'm going to be in 10 years, even though I don't agree with them right now. But, uh, John, did you have a, did you have a question or a comment? And then we'll wrap up. Uh, I, I was just going to throw Steve kind of a different up. angle on this same type of thing. I think one of the problems we have is people are too certain about their convictions mm-hmm. and uh, the world is so complicated. Issues are so complicated. They're, it's impossible to know this is the right answer. Mm -hmm. So if everyone could just step back and take it from a point of humility and say, you know, I, this is what I believe and I'm willing to share that I'm willing to back it up. But at the same time, I'm also willing to understand that you might believe something different and I might even be able to learn things from you if I actually listen to you and Rather than talking past each other, we just need to talk to each other yes. and, and do it from a place of respect rather than a place of meanness. And I, I shared a stage one time with a 90-year-old guy. And he sat on his stool right, and he had his microphone and he just spoke with conviction on what he believed. This is what I believe. This is what this is. This. And then at the end, he said, but I could be completely wrong. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I love that so much because he, he spoke with conviction but had that sort of posture of, but I might be wrong. You know, I love that. All right, Sarah, sorry we took so much of your time, but absolute delight. Thanks for not canceling because that would have been the end of our relationship with you at all. Like that would have just ended it. So I'm glad you didn't. Uh, we'll we do you- not want to break up now. We have a, we've got a long thing going. And, and, and thank you again for uh, for those of you, maybe this is the first time we've chatted since the Recce's Award show we did. Uh, you oh, presented yes. the You presented the award to the, a dynamic duo, I think it was with Ty. I think Jill and Jack Burke and Mark and Jake and Kiki were our were our dynamic duos, Hi. and you presented that award, and we had so much fun. So thanks for doing that. Uh, we're looking forward to doing that again for sure. People had a blast, but uh, you've been such a, a great friend of the show. And and I say this probably every time. You know, it was kind of when we first came on your show. You're like, 
what are these guys doing in Minnesota? There's something kind of curious what's going on with this rec poker thing. And we jumped on your show during the World Series a few years ago, and uh, that really helped us get on the map and helped us get to know some more people. So uh, we owe a lot of what you see here to you. I will say thank you, first of all, just for having me. As always, I love chatting with you guys. And I always feel at the end of the chat, like it was like it was good. I feel heard. I feel uh, it, we always end up in sort of a deeper place than I expect to get to, which yeah. I love. That's like when you know you're in a, in a good conversation. Um, but I will say one of the things you were talking about was, you know, creating media and how to do this. And um, I think, you know, working on building a community. When we first talked, I don't know, what was it, four years ago? I don't, however long ago it was that we very first started. I think it's also very easy for people to get stagnant, to get um, especially in media or in any job or any position or anything. And Rec Poker has just kept growing and trying things and doing new things. And so even in the pandemic, like, okay, we're going to have this now and this. And um, that's actually something I, I really just respect and something I'm actually not very good at. I really have a tendency to just like do what I'm good at and do what I know and keep that going. And so um, from someone on the outside looking at what you guys are doing, I definitely, um, I have just a lot of respect for what you guys are doing. And I will always want to be a part of it in whatever way I can. Well, that's very generous. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the whole key to everything, like I've said in my TED Talk, like I say all the time, just surround yourself with the right peeps. Surround yourself with the right people. Like that is it. And you're looking at a bunch of them right here. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I'm not saying that to be slight to her, but it's just so true. Find the people around you that are going to make you better, that are going to be passionate about it, that are going to come up with all these new and creative ideas because everybody here is doing all of these amazing things. Like I'm not doing anything other than chatting with cool people like you. So uh, that is what makes it fun. But Sarah, we will let you go. Uh, thanks again for, for your time. Best of luck. So July, um, July is coming. Uh, and then we'll see what, what the fall holds for you. Yes. All right. Bye, pet vet too. We'll talk. Uh, you can give me all the advice when I have two coming next time. <laughs> Bye you guys. All right. There she goes. Sarah Herring. Uh, just- Thanks Sarah. <laughs> Great friend of the show. Guys, I know we we don't have a lot of time, but uh, any quick reactions to this? Man, I thought it was, it was a great interview. It was a really great interview. I mean, lots of back and forth, lots of things to think about. I think some some sort of controversial opinions about, you know, some of the things. But I, I thought, I mean, she, she spoke about it well. I thought it was a really, really good conversation. I, I feel like that. Well, is- and I like how she... But, uh, she still voiced her opinion, even though she knew it was going to be controversial, Mm -hmm. but she does it in a way that's not threatening. You understand where she's coming from. She's not saying, you know, I think all of y'all wrong. It it was very well done. Yeah. I wish I had been a little more specific in my question about the actual, the issue of misogyny specifically and not about just comfort at the tables, but I think she did get it at, at the end. She got it. What was most important to me, which is that it's not about cursing. It's about putting other people down and, uh, you know, berating other people and making other people feel bad. So it's not about vulgarity. It's just about uh, making other people feel bad. So I think, uh, and that's a conversation that I think we have to have no matter who's saying it or who's, who's being hurt by it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good stuff. Why don't we, uh, why don't we quick hear from uh, Jonathan Little and then we'll come back with the community part of this, this podcast. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com where we offer 
over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. All right. Well, great stuff. Thank you, Jonathan. And just a quick shout out to the people that are in the in the chat too. I'm just kind of scrolling through and seeing that it looks like you guys are kind of engaging with it as we go, but such a great member benefit too, to come on here and be able to ask questions and interact. And eventually I'll learn how to shut up so we can do more of the questions from the people, but uh, just find it kind of seeing the back and forth there. That's really cool stuff. So thanks for you guys. I'm excited to, to read through all of that stuff. So I know we have limited time. So why don't we jump into our community stuff? Uh, we're not rushing you, John. I'm just rushing the transition. So take your time. <laughs> well, <laughs> on the plus side, at least John, John. <laughs> I certainly won't be uh, interrupted now that we're so far behind. No, I should so, get a hosting ability so you can mute everybody. That's what I should do. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, March 29th, Kelly S19622, Kelly Stork got her second daily standard victory of the year. And then none other than our fearless leader, Rec Poker Steve, Steve Fredlin, got his first uh, standard victory of the year. Stewie 13, Stuart Kendrick's fourth standard victory of the year. It looks Canadian. like he's trying to uh, become the new Doug Drayback. Mm. Uh, then we have Night Owl, Chris Room got his second daily standard victory of the year. Bloop 7, Mark Bloomberg, his first for the year. Uh, MJ block marine blockinger mm -hmm. um got her first victory of the year then we come back to rec poker steve and he won a mixed event something i thought Riggs. i would never see Riggs. excellent job Me neither job. Riggs. <laughs> yeah, that that is shocking I'll just say it. Shock. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I, as somebody who knows nothing about big games either, like, but uh, you, you, uh, you even you've talked about how you just like you barely know the rules sometimes, and now you won a mixed game. I mean, that's I've heard it's shocking but impressive. It's very impressive. It's a high variance game, so it turns. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely okay, done, so I guess I will be interrupted. <laughs> uh, then East Coast Bitter Ben got his third international series. Nice. And uh, Kelly S. Kelly Stork got oh another God. victory in the international wow. uh, series. And then we have Spot Conlon. Daniel Kennedy won the LPP Daily Series uh -huh. Tournament. So don't forget to hit up Kale Cleeton and get your free monthly membership to learn pro poker. So nice. just real quick on that, that Dan Kennedy win, I almost got three for the week because I got to, I got to the final table and uh, I got my tens in against his jacks with nine people left and, and his jacks held. I was down to one third of a big blind. I had like 178 chips with a big blind at 600 and then variants took over <laughs> and I ended up taking second place in that dumb thing. <laughs> That's how that's how bad that's a, chair. How yes. a third of a chip at a chair. That's yeah. what you really need. They're gonna have to amend the statement. It was so bad. Just like how good do you run? <laughs> well, good stuff, John. Thank you so much for everything. Anything that we need to know as far as um different tournaments coming up, anything special, anything that people are screwing up that we need to give other instruction on or anything? No, but we uh likely in the next few weeks we will be announcing something new for people. Uh, but uh 
details have not been solidified and we aren't 100% sure, but stay tuned. Whose idea was the new thing, John? Well, other people were were spouting it, and then I might have mentioned that having another series would get better. (laughs) I don't don't want to be another Recky's Award thing where (laughs) I've got a gif of me, you know, a gif of you when I'm (laughs) suggesting a new tournament series. (laughs) Uh, Good stuff. All right, funny stuff. Yeah, that's going to be a fun announcement for sure. Uh, How about you, Mr. Washam? Anything on the book study front we want to share? Nothing new. I mean, we're going to be... By the time this is broadcast, we'll have already had our second one. Uh, and then, uh, again, we're doing Modern Poker Theory by Michael Acevedo. Uh, we're inviting all of the members to join us. Uh, all the premium members can join and be part of the conversation. We had a big Zoom chat the last time. Or the first session, we had like 12, 13 people in that. And it was some great conversation. Some rabbit holes were... Uh, discovered and dove, dove into, so to speak. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be, and I think a lot of people have said this, Kim has said this, that uh, COVID will be over by the time we get done with this book study because it's, it's, uh, it's a very intense book. There's a lot of meat in there. There's a lot to discuss. So uh, join us and be involved in it. It's a great time. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say make sure you join and sign up within the next, month or two if you want to be part of it before we finish the first chapter (laughs) (laughs) you're a genius (laughs) uh mr content director what do we got coming up or what do you want to share uh yeah i mean so we're we're in april it's we're covering turns and rivers uh our seminar for may it will be all about sort of using data and finding leaks and doing some self-evaluation um, and speaking of exciting things that I can't let you know about, I think after the May seminar, we're going to possibly be shaking things up a little in the seminar land. I think it's going to be pretty cool. So stay tuned. Uh, you may want to be a part of it. It's incredible. I think what's coming down the pike on both fronts. Yeah. For sure. Oh my God, Zomsky. I'm <laughs> just reading the yeah. comments. People Good are stuff. excited. Mr. Reed, what, what, what are we missing here? What do we need to be sharing? You know, there's just so much going on in rec poker right now. Uh, I can't cover all of it. So all I'm going to say is thank you to my wife for spending 10 wonderful years. We're celebrating our anniversary this week. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you, Steve. Wow. Look at that guy taking the platform to give a shout out. I won't say her name, but uh, man, and just the fact that she's with you. I mean, oh, God. That um, feels like 20 years. She she's told me that once already. She's yeah. a saint. Right? <laughs> a Steelers fan living in Canada, dealing uh, with Minnesotans on an international. <laughs> I don't know what this guy is doing, but Jim, man, enjoy just for you. Hopefully, you can live it up a little bit uh this week and kind of enjoy that piece all right so a lot of great stuff going on go to rec.poker check it out feel free to email us if there's any questions at all uh whether you're a community member premium member uh wrecking wrecking crew member uh whatever it is just reach out uh and let us know uh so with that we'll wrap it up thanks to sarah herring for sure uh thank you to our panel uh, chris and rob and john and everybody's cat giver pet cat marcus great and so